You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to episode 213 of You Don't Know Flack. Today is Monday, January 17th, 2022. And I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be revisiting cruises on an episode that I have titled Cruise Redo. It's not really a redo, redux. (laughs) I always say that redo. I don't know if that's right. Uh, On this episode, we will be talking about the technology improvements that I saw on the cruise that we just took in December of 2021. We'll also be talking about COVID and how COVID affected our cruise and some of the other changes that we saw on the ship. And finally, I will be discussing whether or not I would have done it uh, or would I do it again right now this time of year. So we got lots to talk about. But before we start talking about those things, I've got to load up my notes, which I stored on a Commodore 64 emulator on my phone. That was really the only way I could access one on the cruise ship. So while I retrieve those notes, that'll give us a little bit of time to talk about things during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack, and welcome to 2022. What a, Can you imagine that? I remember as a kid, I remember writing the date and when it changed from 1979 to 1980, feeling how futuristic that found, and when it changed from 1980 to 1989, 1990, man, it was a weird feeling. And so seeing 2022 as the date, when you just stare at it out of the blue, it just seems... Uh, like we're all in the future. So I hope you had a good holiday season. Welcome to the new year. I have stopped doing YouTube versions of my shows. I talked about that before the end of the year that I was going to do that. I have stopped doing that. It's uh, a little bit too much work for a little too little payoff. I talked to my patrons. I asked around on social media and Really, I'm just not getting that many views or listens on YouTube, and so I'm going back to my roots, to an audio podcast, so that is the way. If you enjoy You Don't Know Flack, you will be listening to this and not staring uh, at my face, which was made for radio. (laughs) Uh, If you do want to see my face, go to youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming and look for the Sprite Castle Plays playlist, which is where my play videos go. If you want to see those live, go to twitch.tv forward slash Rob O'Hara and subscribe. 
Uh, well, subscribe, I think, means pay. Don't do the pay one. You don't have to do the pay one. Do follow. That's free. And you'll be notified when I stream. I am streaming at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. That's 6 p.m. Central Time. So uh, if you don't want to do the math, just click that follow button. And when I go live, you'll get a notification on your phone or email. And you can hop over to the website and play along, watch along. We uh, usually play Commodore 64 games as I... Begin to do my new show, which I will talk about here briefly. I'll be playing old DOS games. Sometimes I play old Apple II games. It's just a retro computing type of fun streaming. So if you're into that sort of thing, I can tell you that there was a time that not, it's not that I made fun of people who watched online gamers. I didn't understand it. There was a, there was a joke. I remember the joke where the father says, why do you watch? He's talking to his kids and he says, why do you watch people play games online? And then the kids say, I don't know. Why do you watch TV shows where people repair their houses? <laughs> so I don't know if that's a direct correlation, but, uh, it, it made sense. I didn't, I didn't understand at the time, but it's not just watching the games. It's the interaction and the fun. And we tell jokes and we have a good time. So if you're into all that, go to Twitch TV forward slash Rob O'Hara. In technical news, I have to mention that I have upgraded my recording gear. I have, I'll say retired, let's at least say semi-retired, my Blue Yeti microphone. It's all disconnected and stuffed back in a drawer for the time being, so I guess you can say that's as close to retired as you can get. I've replaced it with a Zoom brand dynamic mic. And if you know anything about microphones, this has an XLR connection on the back, which means I needed a mixing board. So I bought a small mixing board that I'm running this through now. So the episodes going here forward may sound a little different. The best thing about it is it completely or mostly, I would say 99% eliminates the room echo noise that I was getting, which was driving me crazy on some of my recordings. So... There's also, of course, when you go through a mixing board, you can adjust your levels and, and uh, you have some EQ settings. And uh, the mixing board that I'm using right now has some built-in electronics, you know, for compression and EQ and, and little sorts of uh, settings. So I'm pretty happy with it. I'm still tweaking it. It may not sound exactly the same on the next episode as it does on this one, but I'm pretty happy so far with the settings that I have right now. So... Uh, if, if it sounds, if things sound a little bit different to you, hopefully they sound better. Um, hopefully I didn't spend money to make it sound worse. <laughs> um, and as I like to always point out, the money for these upgrades came directly from my patrons on Patreon. If you want to find out how to support the show, you could go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara for all the details. All my patrons get behind-the-scenes blog posts. They get weekly Rando Rob videos, which reminds me I need to re record one of those this afternoon. Uh, they get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server and uh, lots of blog posts, lots of behind-the-scenes, just all kinds of fun that we're having over there. So if that interests you at all, uh, I think the the lowest 
account. I don't know what you would call it. The lowest, lowest pledge level is $4 a month, which I'm currently doing four podcasts a month, one show a week of different podcasts. So really it's a dollar, a dollar per show. So it's a good deal for you. And the money adds up and goes to things like new microphones and mixing boards for the podcast. So it all goes back in. So if you're interested in doing that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Now, what's this four shows that I mentioned? Well, I am splitting things up the first week of every month at the end of the week. I, I was saying Thursday, but I've already missed two Thursdays, so <laughs> I might as well just say the end of the week. But at the end of the first week of every month, I'll be releasing an episode of Sprite Castle. At the end of the second week of every month, I will be releasing a You Don't Know Flack. Now, at the end of the third week of the month, I will be launching my new podcast called Like a DOS, which will be DOS game reviews. So it'll be similar to Sprite Castle, but it will be DOS games going from the very early 80s all the way to the mid-90s when eventually Windows gaming took over. So there, there's a lot. There's a, a really big selection of games to choose from for DOS games. And I, uh, I think I'm more well-associated with Commodore Gaming but I was a DOS gamer before I had the Commodore, and I'm a DOS uh, gamer today, and and I really enjoy the library of DOS games. So I think it'll be a lot of fun, and I think a lot of the games I'll have personal connections to. It'll be s very similar to Sprite Castle, but, you know, a, a little different. It'll be the same but different. That's what I like to say. So uh, if you subscribe now to my Robcasts feed... Uh, which is on iTunes or on podcast.robohair.com, you will start getting this show when it was released. It will also have its own iTunes feed as soon as I'm done setting it up. And if you have the Amigos master feed on anchor.fm, you will also get it. So hopefully, if you're looking for that show, it will show up, and I hope that you enjoy it. The fourth week of every month, I'll be releasing new episodes of Cactus Flax. Cactus Flax was a podcast I did. I started about five years ago about all the arcade games that I owned. I was doing uh, one game every episode, and I released about 11, I think 11 episodes before I put that show on the shelf, and it's been sitting there for about five years, so I decided to pull it back down. I should have about 40 to 45 episodes total that I need to do. So might as well. And, you know, it's just kind of been this show that's been hanging over my shoulders for a long time or over my head. And so I decided to pull it back out and go through and finish the rest of that. So in the last week of each month, I will be releasing episodes of Cactus Flax. I suppose if there's weeks or months that we hit that have five weeks, I will do some sort of bonus show. Don't know what it'll be, but I'll do something. I'm always doing something. So there you go. That's what's going on behind the scenes. If you want, again, more behind the scenes information, we talk about all these things over on uh, the uh, Patreon. We vote on stuff. We, we have all sorts of uh, fun stuff going on over there. If you have feedback about this episode of the show or any episode of this show or any episode of any of my shows, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. 
and come chat with me over on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. YDKF. You don't know Flack. YDKF. Uh, I did get a question. I do accept questions that I will answer on my shows from my Patreon supporters. And I got this one actually before I got it last month uh, in January, December of 2021. And it comes to us from 16 bit supporter, John Morrison, who has been supporting all of my shows since day one. He is one of my super supporters. And John asks, which Friday the 13th movie is your favorite? Boy, that's a, a tough one to answer because there's so many Friday the 13th movies and there are things that I like about a lot of them. There are some things I don't like about some of them. I really liked Friday the 13th part three. I mean, it's the 3d gimmick one. And so there are parts about it. I don't like, I don't like the 3d, the fake 3d aspect about it, but, um, but I did like the setting and I like the story the only thing that I don't like about that one is that's really before Jason gets his hockey mask. So there's a lot of scenes of Jason just running around with a, a knapsack over his head. That's in Friday. That's in uh, part two as well. So, you know, I, I don't really, can't really say those are my favorite. I was not really a fan of uh, Freddy versus Jason, uh, the one where he's in outer space has some cool effects and some cool things, but it's a pretty dopey storyline. I think I would probably say part six, as I think through them all in my head, I think part six might be my favorite. I think that's the one where we've got the, um, you know, in, in five, I think Tommy Jarvis, that's when he killed uh, Jason. And then in part six, that's when he started to dig him up and stuck him through the chest with a iron spike, which then got hit by lightning and brought him back to life, <laughs> which is kind of a, a hokey gimmick. But you know, if you're going to kill the main bad guy and then have 13 films or whatever, you got to keep bringing him back. And so, uh, I think that might, that one might be my favorite. That one's got a lot of fun stuff. It's scary, but there's also some jokes, uh, it's kind of a sense of humor running through that one. So I, I think that's, uh, I think that one might be my favorite Friday the 13th part six. So John, thanks for the question. And again, if you are a 16 bit supporter on Patreon, then you can send me a question. If it's Commodore or DOS related, I'll answer it on those shows. If it's a general question, I'll probably answer it on this and arcade. I'll answer it on cactus flag. So there you go. Lots of podcasts on which to hear your questions answered. Well, I've loaded my notes all back in from the emulator. So let's get started talking about this week's topic, which is cruise redux. So several years ago, about five years, in fact, I did a podcast episode about cruises and I shared all the information that I had uh, acquired, all the knowledge that I had learned from going on multiple cruises at that time. I think I had gone on a total of three cruises. That was one to Cozumel, one to Alaska, and one to Hawaii. 
Uh, I have since gone on two more cruises. Uh, in 2019, we went on a second cruise to Cozumel. And then last month in December, we took a third cruise to Cozumel. Now, you might be wondering, why do I take so many cruises to Cozumel? And by so many, I mean three. We've taken three. Uh, but we've been there multiple times. And the answer is, number one, I live in the Midwest, I live in Oklahoma, which isn't too far from New Orleans. I mean, you know, nine-hour drive, something like that, 10-hour drive. And I'm not too terribly far from uh, Florida. I mean, it's a, a day drive. We can make it to, to Florida in a day. And so a long, long day. I don't want to undersell that. But my point is that there are a lot of cruises that go there uh, to Cozumel and to Mexico that leave from the southern and southeast part of the United States. So it's a convenient destination to go to. Uh, it's also usually short cruises. Our cruise this time was five days. Uh, that was, uh, you know, your, your embarking day. And then we had a day at sea, a day at one port in Mexico, Puerto Mayo, a day at Cozumel, and then a fourth day on the, on the ship coming back to the United States. And then, the last day we disembarked in the following morning. So it's a relatively short cruise. You don't have to take long periods of vacation from work. You don't have to, uh, you know, if, if you're not sure if you're going to like cruising, it's a pretty, you know, easy cruise to get into. And, and, and there's not, there's not a lot of time for boredom or like when we went to Hawaii, it was, I think five days on the sea, and then four days in Hawaii and then five days back. That's a long cruise, man. Five days out uh, on the open water is a long time to find stuff to do. So uh, this is, uh, you know, one day there's there's so many things to do that you won't get bored. There's lots of stuff to see and do on the ship and activities. And, and we'll talk about some of those things and how some of those things have changed since the last time we went on a cruise um, you know what? The last cruise that we took when we went to Cozumel left from Galveston, uh, which is straight south of us in Texas. So you get on I-35 in Oklahoma City and you get off at Galveston, which I think is on the other end of I-35. So it's a pretty, pretty simple drive. But this one uh, left from New Orleans. And so that is, uh, we drove to New Orleans. And this time it was me, my wife, and my daughter who turned 16 last summer. So the three of us were the only ones. My son did not go on this cruise with us. But uh, so this cruise began with the three of us driving to New Orleans. There was it, GPS, car GPSs and phone GPSs are really amazing. Uh, they, on, a, on a, our drive to New Orleans, there were several accidents on the interstate and the GPS routed us around those accidents, which was was great, uh, very much appreciated, but it also added a lot of time on our, our drive. And so what we thought was going to be about a nine hour drive turned out to be closer to an 11, 11 and a half hour drive. So we were on the road much longer than we thought we were going to be. Um, if we hadn't been in such a hurry to get down to the cruise. I would have liked to stop and do some things. There's some cool stuff in new Orleans to see and do. There's some other things to do along the way, but a lot of those things are closed right now due to COVID. We love going to Mardi Gras world, which is a, a business that makes Mardi Gras floats and does 
um, custom sculptures and artwork, and it's really a cool place. We took a tour of it uh, many years ago, and it was super awesome. And they're not doing tours right now, so there was no reason to go early to try to get into Mardi Gras world. Uh, so, and you know, another thing, we've talked about this before on the show, but my family, when my kids were born, we made a deal that we were going to get the kids to see all 50 states, and we've done that. We've taken our children to all 50 states. So sometimes it's just about getting to the cruise, and that's what this trip was. We didn't plan a lot of things along the way. We just kind of wanted to get to New Orleans, spend the night, and then board the cruise ship the following morning. Now, during this drive, my wife was driving, and my phone went off and said that I had received an email. And when I checked the email, it was from Carnival Cruises, and the subject said, New COVID Protocols. So... Let's let's get this out on the table. Cruise ships, I think at the beginning of COVID, I don't want to say wrongfully, I think uh I think it was true, I think it was news, but they got a bad rap towards the beginning because people were getting infected on cruise ships. And if you've been on a cruise ship, you know it's kind of hard to get away and stay away from people. Now you could get outdoors but you're still going to be around people. You can sit in your room with the door shut, but it's hard to get food that way. There is room service that will bring you food, I suppose, but it's really kind of difficult to just stay away from people. Now, the numbers for COVID were trending down. Now, I should back this story up. Uh, last year, 2021, was my wife and and my 25th wedding anniversary. We had planned a cruise to go to Alaska, but that cruise got canceled due to COVID. So the money that we paid, we pay for the cruise insurance. And I think it didn't matter in this case anyway, the, but the money just goes back to the cruise line and then you can apply it to a different cruise later on. And so that's what we ended up doing as we applied it to this cruise. So it had already been paid for a long time. And we were, they had started opening up cruises again. COVID numbers were going down. It seemed like a good time to do it. So we locked in on our cruise. We got our vacation scheduled. We got everything set up. And then COVID numbers started going back up. Uh, it was, it was slow. And then they started talking on the news about a new strain of COVID called Omicron. And we were kind of in this spot where we'd already locked things in at this point. So I think at that point, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure my, my wife is the one that really pays for the cruise and handles the insurance and all that. But I think at that point, if we had backed out, we would have lost some amount of money. I don't know if we've lost the entire price of the cruise, but, but we'd kind of committed at this point to go. Was I uneasy about it a little bit? Because, you're starting to see the numbers trend up a little bit. Uh, then you're starting to hear people talk on the news about, you know, maybe a cruise ship is not the place you want to be during a COVID outbreak, which I kind of agree with. Uh, so we get this email from Carnival Cruises, and the email says, we have changed our protocols in regards to wearing masks on the cruise. And it says, as of tomorrow, which was the day we were leaving, uh, all guests must wear masks and any indoor space on the cruise ship, except for when they are in their cabin. Uh, 
So that means the minute you step out of your room on the cruise ship, once you enter the hallway outside your room, you have to have a mask on. And when you're anywhere inside the ship, you have to be wearing a mask. And this was pretty well enforced. There were people standing at every employees standing near every elevator with boxes of masks, making sure people had them. And if they said they didn't have one, they gave them one. There were stations set up in and out outside, like the entrance of every buffet, every dining room. And there were employees asking people to uh, wash their hands or san- you know, put on hand sanitizer. So they were, they were enforcing it. There were signs. There were people walking around. Uh, if they saw somebody without a mask on, they would ask you to put your mask on. Um, they had signs up advertising. They had a little slogan called Sip and Cover, and they used this slogan a lot on our ship. And Sip and Cover means even at the sports bar, even, uh, you know, and I, I didn't see it enforced in the restaurant, but everywhere, like any of the bars where people were drinking, uh, in the casino, they were asking people, if you have a drink to pull your mask down and take a drink and then put your mask back up. They did not want people sitting there without a mask on. Uh, and I can't blame them. Uh, the COVID decimated the cruise industry for about 18 months. Cruise ships got parked. It cost them millions, possibly billions of dollars. I don't know how much money it costs, but uh, they weren't taking cruises. They, I mean, they weren't taking people on cruises. They, it, it, ha- it was a huge, huge loss to them, probably worse than the airline industry saw. So, so I get it. They don't want people on the cruise ship to get COVID. I don't want to get COVID <laughs> and I'm on the cruise ship. So, um, so that was a big change. The other thing it said is that when in Mexico, you must wear a mask, whether you're indoors or outdoors. Now, how well was that enforced? We'll talk about that when we get to the Mexico portion of the program. But that's what was in the email. The email specifically said, if you are in Mexico, you got to wear a mask. I mean, my in my head, I'm like, oh, we're going to be, how are we going to snorkel with a mask? <laughs> you know, that's what they made it sound like. So, uh, but anyway, so, you know, my whole family, we're all vaccinated. We've all had our booster shot. So, and the numbers had been trending down, so we thought it was a pretty good time to do it. The numbers started going up, and literally, you know, as we're driving to the port, we're hearing reports saying, hey, numbers are going up. Maybe you might not want to go on a cruise, but we we decided to go forward with it. We thought, you know, we'll, we'll wear our masks. We'll do our best to social distance, which if you've been on a cruise ship, social distancing is pretty tough to do, but uh, we, we decided to uh, do our best. Now, before recording this episode, I went back and listened to the episode I did about cruises about five years ago. And one of the things I talked about was how much money we paid for people to handle our bags. Uh, we had flown to Galveston on one of our cruises. So we took a hotel shuttle from the hotel to the, the cruise port. So in that podcast, I talked about this, but as the, we had seven bags between the four of us. And so when the, uh, the hotel shuttle driver loaded all our bags onto the shuttle, drove us to the port and took them off the shuttle, we were expected to tip him $1 per bag, which I suppose is reasonable, but that was $7. He set the bags down 
on the ground, a guy with a rolling cart came and picked our bags up and expected a dollar per bag. And so there was another $7. And when we got, I don't remember if it was inside or when it was uh, somewhere else. It may have been uh, when they were unloading them, but we were expected to tip a dollar a bag. I really got tired of tipping people a dollar per bag. Like I really got tired of it. Um, And so on this cruise, and I believe on the cruise that we took in 2019, we did the same thing. Uh, but each, uh, my wife, my daughter, and I each had a rolling suitcase. I had my CPAP bag, and then all of us had backpacks. And we carried all of our stuff on. So we parked in the long-stay shuttle parking in New Orleans. We walked across the street, dragging our suitcases, Uh, We sat uh, outside until it was time for, we had a timed, and I think this is partially because of COVID, but we had a timed uh, loading schedule. Ours was at 1130 AM. So at 1130, we went to the door, we took our suitcases and basically once we were done with the embarking process, we boarded the ship with our suitcases in tow. So nobody touched the bags. More importantly, I didn't tip anybody for touching my bags the entire vacation. It was perfect. I didn't give anybody a dollar a bag. I tried to charge my wife a dollar per bag for carrying stuff, but I was denied that. Uh, so that, but that was a difference definitely from listening between that show. And now I, we just didn't do that. And, and it worked out a lot better. Now the embarking process has definitely been upgraded over the past five years. When we checked in this time, we showed our passports and our driver's licenses, and we received a what looks like a, a credit card. It is your um, uh, your ship card, your your traveling card, whatever uh, that has a barcode on it that can be scanned by any employee of the ship. They all have scanners, and at that point on. And that, and that card had uh, our pictures on it, and that uh, – I don't remember if the card had our picture on it. When they scanned it, your picture came up, I guess. But that card became your uh, identification card, right? And so your your sa- sale card – gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what the name is. But anyway, uh, so when we were embarking, after you received that, we had to go down to the end of this thing, and there was a, a large – I guess it's an iPad, some sort of a tablet – that did facial recognition. And so as you stood in front of it, it scanned my face. And pl- I mean, it's very fast. And then my name popped up on the screen and they checked my card. Uh, I felt, whew, I don't know. Like I know facial recognition is a thing. I know that it's being deployed and used. And of course we use it to unlock our phones, but to, to gain access to a room or to, you know, a ship based on facial recognition felt very strange, but that's exactly what it did. It scanned my face, identified me, and then they checked my card, made sure it was me. And, uh, now during the same portion, before we got on the ship, we had to go through, uh, you know, a TSA style security checkpoint. This means going through a metal detector. This means uh, putting your carry on stuff through, uh, an x-ray machine. And, and so they did that. I'm never surprised when x-ray machines stop on my stuff. It happens all the time. I had an old story on an old podcast where my backpack 
got stopped uh, in the Atlanta airport because I had network cables and they thought that it looked like a bomb. And uh, when I approached the x-ray scanning area, I was told to back away. And when I continued to walk to try to explain that it was just network cables, I was slammed against the (laughs) x-ray machine by a security guard. Uh, and so there was a lot of explaining that had to do. That was many, many years ago. That was, uh, before nine 11 for sure. Uh, I, I think now I'd probably be in jail for doing that. So, uh, but the security scanner stopped on my bag, which I was not surprised on because I had laptop and, and a tablet and all these things. Uh, but they weren't looking at my backpack. They were looking at my CPAP bag. And so when the bag came out, the security guard came over and asked me, if I have a power strip in my bag. And I said, well, of course I do. Uh, because I, the CPAP has a power supply, uh, but the cord isn't very long. And so I always have to use a power strip because you never know if there's going to be, uh, you know, when I travel like in a hotel room, there might not be an outlet right next to the bed. And so I have to use this extension cord. I mean, it's a power strip with a six foot cord. And you can plug it in and stretch it, give yourself a little bit extra room. Plus, you can plug in your phone charger or whatever. And I was told that power strips, and specifically power strips with surge protectors, are not allowed on cruise ships. Now, (laughs) I got a lot to say about this. Um, It was specifically cited to me that this thing was a fire hazard. Now, to that... I will have to agree, <laughs> not because it's a, as a surge protector, uh, but because this power strip probably came from the mid 1980s. It was metal. I mean, if you want to talk about the dangers of this thing, it's not the surge protector. It would be from somebody holding onto the cord and swinging this thing around and hitting someone in the head. I literally think you can knock somebody out with the surge protector. I am 100% positive that I got this thing out of the trash probably 20 years ago at work and wrote my name on the side, O'Hara and big black Sharpie, which was still there. So they wouldn't let me take this on the cruise ship. Now here's another complaint that I have. I have taken this same power strip on every cruise ship I've ever been on. I specifically remember on one of our cruises, I unplugged the television and then I plugged the television into my power strip because cabin rooms don't have very many uh, power outlets. Uh, Our room had one in the outside the bathroom, like there's a little vanity mirror dressing area. There was one there for hair dryers or curlers or whatever. There was one double outlet in the desk area. And then there was one behind the television, which is impossible to plug anything else into. And then there was one on the, along the baseboard in the middle of our bed, like behind the bed on the wall. Like there's no way to get to it without moving the bed uh, and unplugging one of the lamps. So there's no convenient place to plug a CPAP machine into. So I specifically remember that I have taken this strip on every cruise. I've used it on every cruise. And then the TSA agent says, I can dispose of this for you, or you can take it back to your car. Taking it back to my car would involve going backwards through the TSA line, 
like going like swimming upstream, going out of the area, taking the elevator down to the ground level, walking across the street, going to a parking garage, going back up to the fourth or fifth level, and putting a and this would be all of this effort would be to save a power strip that I got for free 20 years ago. So there's no chance that, I mean, there's a way bigger chance of me holding on to the cord and trying to hit this lady in the head. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I said, no, I guess get rid of it. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't argue with this, you know, person who's standing there with a gun. So I'm like, I guess throw it away. And so I watched her take my power strip into the little office and throw it in the trash and uh, I said, by the way, there's nowhere to plug in a CPAP machine near the bed. I always take this. And she says, well, when you get on board, tell your room steward that you need an extension cord and they can provide you with one uh, that is appropriate. And But they specifically said it's because it has a surge protector. I spent most of the cruise walking around and pointing out every power strip I saw that had a surge protector in it. There was a Christmas tree in the lobby that was plugged into a power strip with a surge protector. In that same foyer area, there was a band, and we were up on the second floor looking over this balcony at the band, and I could see 10 extension cords or power strips all lit up with surge protectors with guitar amps and keyboards and everything plugged into them. There are fricking power strips with surge protectors all over the cruise ship. Now, I suppose that the cabin could be wired differently. Like maybe you have, uh, maybe the whole room's on one circuit or on one fuse or something, uh, and they don't want you overloading that. So I, I get it. Uh, it was just annoying. And it's always annoying when it's something you've done so many times before. And then they just tell you, no, they don't allow that. I did find Amazon stores that sell surge, prote- not surge protectors, but power. What they Instead of a power strip, what they want you to use is one of these things that plugs into directly into the outlet and then has six plugins or something. In fact, the one that they recommend has three outlets on the bottom and then three USB outlets on the top. In my case, I don't think that would work because it would be behind my bed, which I'm sure they get a million of them that people leave behind their bed every time they go on a cruise. So I don't know. I, it was, I was irritated. And as you can tell, I'm still a little uh, irritated at the moment about the whole thing. But what are you going to do? And by the way, I did tell my room steward that we needed an extension cord for my CPAP. She said, no problem. She would bring me one. And a few hours later, she brought me a 50-foot-long orange extension cord like the heaviest duty one you've ever seen at Home Depot or Lowe's for plugging in something out in your yard 50 foot away, that's what she brought me. And so I plugged it in. So I unplugged my lamp so I didn't have a lamp for the entire cruise, uh, which also had USB charging ports on the lamp. And so I plugged the extension cord into the outlet behind the, uh, the bed, and then I coiled up. 47 feet of a 50 foot cord and I pulled out three foot and then I used the single end on the end of that extension cord to randomly continue to plug and unplug things. <laughs> so I, at night I plug in my CPAP and then during the day I had a, uh, one of those battery charger things. And so I would charge that up. And then at night when I was using 
the CPAP, I would charge my phone off of the battery pack. It's just such a, it's so ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. They made me mad. Um, so here's another thing that changed. And this thing actually changed uh, for the better. I really enjoyed this change. There is a part of every cruise called the Mustard Station Drill. And my kids thought it was the Mustard Drill, but it is not mustard. It is muster. And the Mustard Stations are where the emergency evacuation boats are stored. So you go out to a specific deck, and when you look up, you will see all these emergency boats that are mounted above you. And in case of an emergency, you're going to pile into these boats. They are watertight and they apparently will, I don't know how it works. I don't know if they shoot you out in the ocean or if you just float out there or, I mean, they have engines on the back of them. So I guess you can just get out of Dodge. I don't know. Hopefully I never have to find out. Uh, I guess that's a good sign that I've never seen one in use. The first cruise that we went on, we found out about this thing called the muster station drill. This is a, uh, some sort of federal requirement. They are required to make sure that you as a passenger on a cruise ship know what to do in case of an emergency. So that's not a bad thing on our first cruise. The way that the drill worked was as follows. You were to go to your room and get your life preserver, which is stored in the closet. And then you were supposed to go to one of the large uh, theaters and you had an assigned theater. These theaters hold like a thousand people. And so then a thousand people at the same time go into a theater. Everybody is, is sitting shoulder to shoulder. There's somebody you're, I mean, somebody behind you is touching you. Somebody in front of you is touching you. Somebody on either side is touching you. There's just, you are crammed in like sardines. And then they explain how the muster station works. You have to know where your muster station is because you have a, a specific assigned place to go. You can't have everybody go to one boat. There's, there's 20 of these little things around the ship. And then they show you how to put on a life jacket, which you have to do while sitting in this small chair surrounded by people. It, it was very uncomfortable. It was very hot and it was very annoying and I, I mean, I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea about cruises, but I feel like the odds of me surviving in the ocean with a life preserver on is about 90 seconds. Like our swimming pool in the backyard is at 60 degrees. And if you go in there for two minutes, you will die of hypothermia. So I don't know what the temperature of the ocean is, but I feel like it's going to be cold. I'm not even worried about sharks. So I just think I'm going to freeze. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's right up there with the inflation device that they show you on the airplane. I just don't think that's going to help. <laughs> I think it's a great idea and it's a great mental image. Uh, but I, I think the people of the Titanic weren't like, oh, if only we'd had a life preserver, <laughs> we would have made it. I don't think that's that's what's going to happen. So the muster station to me is a drill that you have to do that's kind of pointless. So I get it why you have to do it. I I don't know. I, it's important, okay? I mean, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it's uh, uh, an annoyance. So 
I believe due to COVID, so the um, on the last cruise we went on in 2019, everybody had to report to their muster station instead of reporting to uh, the the um, the theater. And so you went out, so it was outside, so it wasn't hot, so that was nice. And then it was just the 30 or 40 people assigned to your boat or whatever, and you all stood there. And a guy with a clipboard read for 10 minutes, and then he said, everybody good? And we went, yep. And then you go, by the way, the boat won't leave until everybody has done this. So if you just think, oh, I'm just going to hide in my room and not go, you can hold up the whole cruise. They will come track you down and find you. Uh, and so so you have to do it, right? Okay. The muster station on this cruise, they said between 11.30 a.m. and 3 o'clock p.m., report to your muster station. And they told us where ours was. Ours was 4D. And so we went to the fourth level and we went to section D and there was a lady there with one of the iPads that will scan your card. And there was a guy there with a clipboard and they scanned our cards and they said, do you have any questions? And by the way, we, we were not asked to bring our life preservers. And the lady said, do you have any questions? And we said, no. And she said, great, and scanned our cards and sent us on our way. So it took five seconds, and it was so much more appreciated. because, And I feel like that's kind of how it should work, because if you have questions, ask them. You know, how am I going to get in that boat? Well, there's a door. Am I really going to float? No. Okay, well, thanks for answering my questions. (laughs) So if you have questions, you can ask them. But if you don't have questions, you've been through the drill all you need to know is where to go. And so that's what they did. So I, it was so much better than any other cruise that I've been on. I hope that they keep this change after, um, you know, COVID goes back down because it was, it was way more convenient and, and much faster and simpler to do it this way. Um, let's see what else I got in my notes. I, uh, took seasick patches. These are the little round patches. If you've ever been on a cruise or near somebody, people getting on and off cruises, you may have seen them. They look like little round band-aids about the size of a nickel and people stick them on their neck right behind their ear. Uh, They are slow release patches that release medicine for about three days and will keep you from getting seasick. Now here's a change. In the early days, well, on the very, very first cruise I went on, which was only, it wasn't even really a cruise. It was just a four-hour trip from Florida to the Bahamas uh, that, by the way, went through the uh, Bermuda Triangle. I love mentioning that. Uh, the I didn't know that I would get seasick, and I didn't have any medicine, and I spent most of that four hours throwing up over the railing. It was it was terrible. It was awful. Uh, yeah, did not want to repeat that. And so I was really nervous on our first long cruise and everybody said, no, you got to get this patch. And to get the patches originally, I had to go to my doctor and I had to get a prescription and they would, they wrote in a prescription and we went to Walgreens or whatever and, and picked it up. You could get the patches now over the counter. In fact, we ordered mine from Amazon. The brand that I got was MQ, but I don't know that that's better or worse. There's about three brands. It looks like on Amazon. One patch lasts three days, and I paid $7 for 10 patches from Amazon. They shipped them right to the house, 
they worked great. In fact, one I had one fall off because we stuck it on kind of incorrectly, and I started feeling woozy after a couple of hours, and I said, something's wrong, and my patch was gone, so we went and, and got another patch. Now, I have learned this over time. Actually, I've learned this because my wife has noticed this pattern. Uh, when I put the patch on, I get mean for about 30 minutes, and then I take about a 30-minute nap. So I don't know what it is with that medicine, but I get very cranky. And then I just pass out. And so uh, what my wife, my wife and daughter like to find the very first bingo game in the ship and they like to go explore. And so once we got to our room, I got the patch out. I put the patch on my neck and they said, we're going to go. And I said, good, get out of here. Go. (laughs) I wasn't that mean, but uh, I said, great. And so I stayed in the room. I put on my earbuds and, uh, you know, took me about an hour, had about an hour of downtime. And after that, I was great for the next three days. And then on the end of the third day, I swapped it out. I put a different one on before bed. It was perfect. So um, I think that those patches expire after a while. And so when we got home, I just tossed the rest of them. Uh, I put them in a drawer, actually. But I, I think they'll expire before we go on our next cruise. So uh, I'll probably just order more. But again, you don't need a prescription for these anymore. You could just get them right off of Amazon and, uh, or, you know, anywhere. They probably have them at uh, CVS or local drugstore or whatever. But I, I've spent the last three years ordering everything I needed off of Amazon and Instacart and DoorDash. So uh, what a world. <laughs> what a world. Uh, so this cruise was divided up evenly. There were two sea days that bookended the two port days. We, the three of us had one room. It was a suite and it is considered a suite because we had a outdoor or, you know, a, uh, an outdoor room. So some outdoor rooms just have windows, I guess, but our outdoor room had a balcony. Again, the balcony had three metal lawn chairs and not a whole lot of room to do much else. So I want to say that the, the balcony is probably... Oh, 10 foot wide, 12 foot wide. I mean, there's plenty of room for the three of us to stand out there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want six people standing out there. I don't think so. Uh, and there is a railing and then a bullet from the railing all the way to the ground is really thick, like bulletproof glass. So, and, and the balcony doesn't protrude out the side of the ship. It's like it's built into the ship. It's hard to explain, but you don't feel like you're hanging over the outside of the ship. That's what someone asked me one time. So, uh, so you don't, there's no feeling of, uh, you know, like, like I don't, I don't necessarily like, uh, heights or anything like that, you know, but, um, uh, but you know, it's, it's not a problem. It's really not an issue. So anyway, yeah, we had the, the balcony, we had, uh, the television, we have a television in our room. I would say it was probably a, Maybe a 21-inch television. I'm looking at uh, my monitors. Yeah, maybe 21, maybe 24, something like that. Uh, You have about 20 channels, let's say. And the first 10 channels are all channels uh, from the cruise industry or about the ship. So like one channel just shows a map of where you are in the ocean and how many knots you're traveling. 
Uh, one channel is a live feed of a camera that's facing the front of the ship uh, or off the front bow of the ship. So all you ever see is water, <laughs> which is good. You don't want to see an iceberg on that channel. Uh, there's a channel that tells you how to gamble in the casino. There's a channel that tells you um, you know, all about diamonds that you can buy in Mexico. So there's a lot of uh, you know, different channels like that to watch. And then you get to the feeds, you know, the, the real, what I would call real TV channels. And I would say there's about eight of those and I, I didn't write them all down, but it was like, Oh, um, the HGN home garden channel. And, uh, like one channel was home repair shows, one channel was reality shows. There were a, a couple of kids' channels. There was like Nickelodeon and uh, Cartoon Network was a channel. Uh, you know, you just don't spend a lot of time sitting in your room watching TV, but it's nice at night when you go into your room and you just want a little bit of noise and make it feel like you're you're at home, you know, and, and to be able to turn on that TV and flip those channels. Uh, a lot of the channels, it, it wasn't consistent. And it was so it wasn't even always the same channel, but a lot of times the audio would be off by two or three channels. Oh, one of the channels was whatever channel, a food network or whatever that's always showing the reality food competitions. We watch little kids baking against each other and Christmas holiday baking competitions and um, and you know, that sort of stuff. So, but it's nice when you lay down in bed, you turn on the TV for a few minutes or when you're you know getting dressed or whatever. So that, that's kind of what you use the, the TV for that. That's what we do. Um, so let's talk about the internet access on the ship. This is something that has definitely changed over the past five years. Uh, on one of the earliest cruises that we took, I think that I just wrote something to the effect of there's no internet. So this is an escape from the world and there's no cell phone access. You're not near a cell phone tower. So again, this is old information, but there was no connectivity off the ship. Well, that changed. Um, and on my last, the podcast that I did five years ago, I talked about how the ship has its own cell phone tower and that you could get internet access and that internet access costs 75 cents a minute and that it was very, very slow. Now, again, that's the information from five years ago. Here's how things have changed. Now, uh, forgive me for a moment because I'm going to click open this link, uh, so that, uh, uh, I could go through a little bit of this with you. Uh, there are three internet plans on the ship. And uh, this was completely different than any trip that we've gone on before. Uh, the three plans are called social, value, and premium. Social, it says, starts at $6.80 per person per day. The value is $10.20 per person per day. And finally, the premium is $13.60 per person per day. Now, what is the difference on these? Let's click on the more details and bring up the more details. The social, which is the first one, uh, I believe that was the, this is $6.80 a person, uh, says, Access the most popular social websites and applications includes Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Snapchat, and the most popular airline sites. Does not include access to any other website or app. Then it says, and all these I should mention, it says a save up to 15, 15, 15.15% when booked prior to sailing versus the onboard pricing. So you can pay for this beforehand and get it down to about $5, I think, uh, five something. So... If you, if all you want to do is take pictures and post them on Facebook or on Twitter, or now this is really important, talk to people through Facebook messenger, then this is a good package. Um, one thing that we found and we, uh, we actually had the premium package which I, we're, we're getting to next. We're going to talk about the value Wi-Fi plan. This is the middle of the road. Uh, we got the premium one so that we could text each other, and texting did not work hardly at all. We would text each other, and we would not get text messages for three to four hours. But Facebook Messenger was instant, and so that was – the way that we ended up communicating with each other on the ship was through Facebook Messenger and to people off the ship. So when people would text me, I had a friend text me and ask me if I would pick him up a souvenir while we were in Mexico. I didn't get the text for four hours until we were well back on the ship. So it didn't work out. But Facebook Messenger uh, did work. And I assume those other Snapchat and, and those other things would have worked as well. Uh, the value one, this is the one that's $10.20 per person per day. It says surf all your favorite sites, including email. Oh, yeah. So the first one, you can't check your email. Uh, email, news, sports, weather, banking, and finance. Note, does not support Skype calling or any music or video streaming such as Spotify or Netflix. So basically, this gets you internet access. You're going through their uh I don't know if it's a VPN or, or whatever it is, but you're going through their connector. So uh, it, it's it's the only the sites that they allow. And it's not only the sites that they allow, but they definitely have sites that were blocked. There were some things I tried to get to that I, I could not get to. Um, and then finally is the premium one. This is 1360 a day. Now, what's the difference if that other one has everything, right? This one says, from email to video calls, our premium plan promises the fastest possible connection at speeds up to three times faster than our value plan, supports Skype, Zoom, and Teams video calling where coverage allows, and save up to 20% if you book in advance. So again, this is 1360, 10% would be 136, so 2% or 20% would be 230, 240. So, um, two and a half bucks off. So, a little over $10 a day uh, if you want to do this and pay for it in advance. So, this is what we did. We all got the premium Wi Fi plan. Now, I used this one time to use remote desktop. Uh, it's actually not remote desktop, it, it was um, a remote viewer to get to a machine back on shore, back in the US. It it worked, but it was super slow. If you've ever tried to do remote desktop on a really slow connection where you click on something and then half the screen refreshes, then the other half eventually refreshes, it was like that. Um, 
you had to you had to slow down, like not double click on things. And I mean, it, it was I wouldn't say a hundred percent unusable, but I mean, <laughs> in an emergency, it would have worked. Uh, we tried doing video streaming. We couldn't get any of that stuff to work. So, uh, but you know, you have access to email, you have access. So that was, that was nice. We were able to do email. We were able to post pictures on Facebook while we were gone and post pictures to Twitter and keep up with things like that. So now I will say one of the things I don't, I I don't know why technically, but none of the internet worked on our balcony. So in the morning, what I wanted to do, because I would get up before my wife and my sister is go sit out on the balcony and then have my phone and read the morning news. Well, it didn't work out there. The minute the door shut and you went out on the balcony, I could not get internet access. So I could lay in bed and read headlines, but I just, just couldn't get it to work. Uh, I did, uh, while we were, outdoors and upstairs uh, on one of the decks, I updated my podcast feed and I was able to listen to a podcast while my, my wife and daughter were in one of the pools on the ship. So, so I did get that to work, but um, I mean, it's, I don't know what, you know what I should have done? I should have run a speed test. I didn't think about it, but I should have run a speed test to see what kind of actual speeds we were getting because it it's not like like the internet at home that you and I are used to. So, uh, but definitely, so that is a uh, big change is all the internet access, all that stuff was a big change. Now there's another, uh, Oh, I almost forgot to mention. We got to talk about this carnival app. There's a carnival app called the carnival hub. In the past, I think it was kind of a fun thing and you installed it on your phone. It is now essentially a requirement to navigate the ship and get the most out of your cruise experience. One of the things that the Carnival Hub allows you to do is message other passengers. It costs $5 and both parties have to pay for it. So if you want to use the Carnival Hub and send messages to your wife, you have to pay the $5 fee for that, and they have to pay the $5 fee for that. So um, so if you weren't going to get any internet access at all but wanted to message each other, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense because you're 5 bucks a person, and there's the uh, – that that the lowest package with the discount is just over $5 and that would give you access to all those social media sites, including Facebook messenger and WhatsApp and stuff like that. So that's definitely, if I were going to do it, that's the way uh, I would go. I remember on the early cruises, we saw a lot of people with walkie talkies and things like that. I, I didn't see any of that this time. It was, it was unfortunately, I'm going to say unfortunately, and, and I'm, going to cover this more here in just a moment, but unfortunately I just saw a lot of people on their cell phones. And in the early days, the early cruises we took, it was a way to get away from your work, get away from being tied down and connected. And not only are cell phones now an option on the phone, but as I get into this next part, you'll find out that they're basically required. So the first time that we went to one of the dining rooms on the cruise ship, there are dining rooms. We, we, uh, my wife and I like to go to the dining room for breakfast and the menus, uh, on cruise ships. It's just infamous, like how many different types of food and how good it is. Um, I'm, I'm going to dial that back just a little bit. It's not how many types of food, like for breakfast, there would be, you know, six selections, but there would be six appetizers, six main courses and then six extra things. And then a list of sides. Like I would, you know, got, uh, 
uh, eggs over easy with some sausage and some bacon and I got a parfait to go with it. And we had some orange juice and some water and, and uh, lots of coffee. The coffee was great. Uh, so when we went to the table, we said, oh, we'd like to see a menu. And they said, there you go. And on our table was a QR code. And so that was uh, the um, the only way that you could get a menu was to use your phone. And so if you went to the Carnival Hub, it said, hey, it's breakfast time. Here's all the menus. <laughs> and you would click on the menu and you were using your phone. Now, I'm not <sighs> – we're not, we don't, we're not really hard nosed, I guess, about not using your phone during meals, but we kind of are. Uh, we have a, a gentleman's agreement that we don't use our phones during meals. So if we all go out to eat, me and my wife or, or the four of us, um, sometimes my wife will ask permission, which is very weird because I'm not in a position to grant her permission. Uh, but she will say, I'm sorry, is it okay if I pull out my phone? I'm waiting on an email to check something. And I'm like, well, of course, you know. But, I mean, as a general rule, we don't sit there and, and stay on our phones. Like, that's our time. That's our FaceTime. That's a, not the app, <laughs> real-life FaceTime. That's the time that we have to to talk and communicate. And so we just don't like being on our phones during meals. And the way that the cruise ship was set up is – now, and again, this is a change, and I uh, don't know if this is because of COVID uh, or maybe it's just the evolution of things, but there were no paper menus to be found. There were no uh, laminated menus. I I don't know what would happen if you asked for a menu, but on every restaurant and every, every time you went to a place like that, they said, oh, it's on your phone. And so you were expected to have your phone and look you know, look and see what was available on the menu. Now, even more than that, in my past podcast about cruises, I talked about uh, this thing called the daily patter and different cruise lines. It's named different things, but this is a newsletter, a paper printed newsletter that you got in your room every morning. And you could look at this newspaper and it would tell you all the events. In fact, on the, the last cruise episode, if you go back and listen to it, I read all the events that were taking place on a single day that were printed in the pattern. Well, there's no more daily pattern. It's all on your phone. And so you open up your app and you scroll through and it says, Hey, there's bingo at nine and there's this at 10. So, you know, it, it brought up a lot of questions for me. And number one, I just, associate, I, maybe this is a stereotype and it probably is, but I associate cruising with older people, retired people. Uh, I think my parents are enough tech savvy that they could navigate the cruise this way, but I don't think they would want to. I don't think they would prefer looking on their phone at a menu and a restaurant versus using a paper menu. I don't think they would rather look at a schedule on their phone. I don't think they would rather, you know, I don't think they want to be using their phone, especially not on a vacation on a cruise. So uh, it made me wonder, and not just my parents, but I thought of a lot of my friends' parents, I thought they don't use their phones at all. 
especially, you know, not, not necessarily parents in their sixties, but maybe some in their seventies or, or, uh, older than that late seventies or eighties, uh, they're, they're not cell phone people and they don't want to use their cell phone. My aunt has a flip phone still <laughs> to this day. And so she's not going to be looking at menus on her phone. So I, I don't know. I've, I've maybe as the older generation transitions away from cruising and it becomes more younger people moving into it, maybe this'll, this'll catch on, but it, it just, I don't know. Uh, I, I understand, you know, due to COVID, they don't want to be sharing menus with people. Although I don't think that's the way most people contract COVID. Um, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was just a different feel. Um, if the phone was an option for the menu that I could see that, but it wasn't really an option. It was a requirement to do all these things on the cruise. Uh, there were a lot less events than, than we normally see on the cruise. And I don't know if this is because, because of COVID that they had uh, scaled down the events or if this is because things were going on and we just weren't seeing them on this app, which is kind of the feeling that I had. So now I don't want to make it sound like we didn't do things while we were on the cruise. There was a putt putt course, a nine hole golf course up on the top uh, outside deck. There were multiple swimming pools. There was DJ hosted dance parties outside and inside. There was a, uh, a say, I mentioned this in the previous one, a hundred foot television mounted outside, which showed, uh, kids movies most of the time. But then at night, like on Monday night, they showed Monday night football and all, it was just, uh, uh, grown men out outside in lounge chairs, watching football and cheering on teams. So that was kind of fun. The cruise ship we were on did have an arcade, which I went to go check out uh, by arcade. I would say half, maybe more of the machines were coin redemption things. There was a claw. There was that. I don't even know what that one game is. It looks like Tetris and you play falling blocks or something and you could win a phone that nobody's ever won that phone. Uh, but they did have the sit down environmental Jurassic Park game. They had a giant sit down space invaders game that my wife and I played. They had half a dozen, half a dozen arcade games. They had that roller coaster simulator that you could sit in where you almost lay on your back and it shakes you around. I saw people doing that. So, I mean, there were probably 20 machines total. It's not, you know, a huge arcade, but it was something. And, and, uh, I was glad to see that they still have that tradition. Uh, of course, food, 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 everywhere there was food. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the food uh, after we talk about Mexico, but, uh, you know, there, there's just, I mean, if you just want to go on a cruise and eat, you could do that for four days. Uh, so after our first sh uh, day out on the sea, we had our first excursion, which was to Costa Mayo. I saw this listed as Costa Mayo and also Puerta Mayo, which I guess Puerta is the port. Um, we did not do any excursions that day. We did shopping locally. They had a huge swimming area right there in the ocean. They had a swim-up bar. My wife and daughter went swimming. They went to the swim-up bar. I sat in a, a lounge chair about 30 feet from the ocean. They brought me a three-foot-tall drink in a plastic palm tree that was pretty darn good. 
Uh, the only uh, negative experience at Puerto Mayo that we had was we ate at a restaurant there. And the short version of the story is I believe we were grossly overcharged for our meal. Our, our bill came to $95, which I had a funny story on the old cruise. And I told it on the old one where we got a bill for $500, but it turned out to be in pesos. Uh, but this was not in pesos. This was 95 us dollars and my daughter didn't eat. So it, that was for two meals and for three drinks. Uh, you know, I mean, my, my daughter got a diet Coke and my wife, I got a, a beer in a can and my wife, I think got iced tea or something. So $95 seemed really, really high. And when we asked to see the, an itemized receipt, they just said, no. <laughs> and by the way, there were two waiters and 50 tables. So we only got to talk to our waiter once every 10 minutes. And so he did eventually say he would bring us a menu so we could check the prices, but then he never did that. And, you know, after about 15 minutes, we just cut our losses. We were like, well, you know, just chalk this up. So I, I guess... I guess the lesson there is to not pay until you you agree that the price is right because the problem was when we got the receipt, my wife immediately handed them the credit card, and they had already charged our card by the time we realized uh, what had happened. So you know what? Live and learn. Uh, the uh, uh, tourism industry, they really want people's business, but you also have to look out for yourself. And, uh, we've learned that before in the past on, on trips to Mexico. And unfortunately we learned another lesson here again. Now, the second day we went to Cozumel and we did buy an excursion. We paid to go visit a place called Mr. Sancho's, which is a private resort area. Uh, it's a private beach that, uh, was $60 per adult and $40 for Morgan because she's a minor. And that money includes not just access to the private beach for the full day. It reserved a table for us for the whole day, lounge chairs for us on the beach the whole day, and all the food you could eat for the entire day and all the alcohol you could drink for the entire day. So all of that, everything was included in that price. Uh, so we went to Mr. Sancho's. The minute we walked in, uh, there was a photographer who wanted to take our picture. And there are photographers all over, a lot of them by the cruise industry and then other ones at these resorts because they try to sell you these pictures later on. And the photographer said, take your masks off. Now, if you remember earlier in the podcast, I said that we were under the impression that we would have to wear a mask everywhere in Mexico, indoors and outdoors. So they said, take your mask off for the photo. We said, okay. So we did. And then they said, when we went to put our mask back on, they said, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to put your mask on here. And I said, well, I thought we we're supposed to wear a mask in Mexico. And he says, well, not at a private resort. <laughs> so I do want to bring the, the big picture of COVID back to a full circle. The cruise industry is terrified of having another COVID ship. They don't want one of these ships where everybody gets infected. They can't get over it. And they're floating around out there in the ocean where no one will let them dock into port. Right. And so on the cruise ship, they say, you got to wear a mask. We want you to wear a mask. Please wear a mask. They do all that. And then they say, we, you have to wear a mask in Mexico, but the, the chink in the armor 
is when you get to Mexico and Mexico says you don't have to wear a mask. So now not only were every one of us at this big resort and it's a, it's outdoors where everybody was outdoors. You're all on a beach, but nobody's wearing masks. And now you start to think nobody anywhere else in Mexico from our cruise ship is also wearing a mask. So now you have 3000 people wandering around Mexico without masks and, uh, that, that is where COVID is going to be reintroduced back onto these cruise ships. That's just a fact. That's the way it's going to happen. Uh, so I've, I've was even more vigilant about wearing a mask once we returned to the ship after having been to Mexico. Uh, anyway, our, we had a waiter named Johnny and he pronounced it Yanni and, uh, he was a big, big guy. Uh, and uh, very entertaining. And he was in charge of waiting on four tables. So he said, these four tables are my tables. Uh, and one of the tables was empty the whole time. So it really, he was only over watching three tables. So he would just stand uh, just just on the outside of our three tables and watch those three tables. So um, he came over and he said, uh, you like to try pina colada? And I said, yeah, sure, Yanni. And so he brought me a pina colada and I took a sip and he goes, you like it? And I said, yeah. He says, okay, I'll get you another one. <laughs> he immediately walked away to get me another one. Um, and then, uh, you know, he was, we were making small talk and my wife says, you know what I love? I love fresh guacamole. And I and he goes, well, I'll be right back. And he left and then he came back and he had brought us a huge thing of fresh salsa, fresh guacamole and tortilla chips. And then, you know, basically said, okay, finish your sentence. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, at one point they brought us, uh, Johnny brought us menus for lunch and I wasn't super hungry, you know, uh, but I looked and they had uh, chicken fajitas and I said, that, that looks good. And so I said, Johnny, I'll, I'll just have the chicken fajitas. And he nodded. He said, what else? And I was like, well, no, I mean, that's, that's really all I want. And, and he just kind of took the menu from me and then looked down the menu. He's like, you like this, <laughs> you like this, how about this? And so he ended up bringing me like way more food than I even ordered, you know? So we definitely got our money's worth and, uh, our table was on the beach and next to our table, like literally uh, a foot away from our table were lounge chairs and the ends of our lounge chairs were in the water on the ocean. So we were, you know, four or five foot from the ocean. We were right there. And we had these reserved tables, so you didn't have to worry about anybody stealing your stuff. You didn't have to worry about people coming and moving your stuff and sitting at your table. It was just, it was really nice to have a, a spot dedicated to yourself. So uh, we really enjoyed our time in the ocean. We enjoyed the uh, fajitas. And by the way, at the end, um, like all the things on the cruise, the Johnny reminded us that all the tips were included in the price. Now we tipped him anyway and he took it. So I don't think he's prevented from taking tips, but he basically said tips are built into the price. So he doesn't want a tip from you. What he wants is there will be a, you'll get emailed a review uh, or a link to review. And he wants you to mention his name. And that's basically how he keeps his job. And by the way, 
If you happen to go to Mr. Sancho's in Mexico, ask for Johnny. He was the best waiter there. We had a great time, uh, and we gave him a great review. So we got back on the ship. Uh, you know, we'd already spent a day. We we um, got a couple other short stories real quick. First of all, uh, I'll talk about the food. Uh, I talked about the food on the previous podcast, and I wouldn't say a lot has changed. Uh, they had, uh, of course, they had the buffets. They had uh, different stations. They had a pizza station. They had a barbecue station. They had a Chinese uh, a walk, like a stir-fry station. Uh, my daughter and I found a sushi station where they basically only had four kinds of sushi. They had uh, California rolls. They had spicy tuna rolls. Uh, gosh, I forgot what the third one was, but the fourth one was this one called Bang Bang Banzai. And the sushi costs extra money. It was $5 for a roll. And my daughter said, well, I don't want it if it costs money. I said, no, we're on a cruise. Let's get it. I'm telling you what, it was some of the best sushi I've had. Uh, we have a, a local chain, sushi chain, which I always say is, is good. Uh, but this blew that away. And the, um, the bang, bang bonsai had shrimp, lobster, um, I mean, it was all this stuff just just tossed into one roll. It was really, really super good. So it was definitely worth paying the extra couple of bucks um, to to get that on the cruise ship. Uh, I did want to talk about the casino briefly and a uh, lesson that I learned on the casino. Now, casinos on cruise ships are dangerous because it's really the only place where you could get free alcohol. There's a lot of alcohol on cruise ships, but it costs. There are constantly people trying to bring you drinks, but everybody wants to charge you, you know, uh, the drink of the day and, and just put it on your uh, your sailing card, you know. Uh, but uh, in the casino, they'll bring you free drinks as long as you're sitting there and, and playing slot machines or whatever. It becomes a really convenient place to go when you're bored. There's nothing else going on. Hey, let's go sit at the casino. Well, I don't know if you play slots at a casino, but at the, the casino that I go to that's near my house, there's a lot of machines and there are multiple payment options. Like there's this uh, Buffalo game that my wife likes to play, but the, the cheapest bet is 40 cents a spin and it's 80 cents and it goes up. I think the highest one is $3 a spin. Well, the cheapest slot machine we found on the cruise ship was a dollar a spin. That's as low as any of them went. So, if you are going to go there and kill half an hour or whatever, it could get pretty expensive. Now, my wife did win some money on the casino. Uh, I did not win. So between the two of us, we came out a little bit ahead. But that's certainly not – I wouldn't plan on going to the casino on the ship to make money. There were uh, table games. There were some poker tournaments and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I uh, – so, so the way that the slot machines are intended to work is you're supposed to put your uh, sale and ship card in and then take money out against your room bill. So you put money, you transfer money onto your plastic card, and then that card is inserted from machine to machine and your money follows you that way. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to use cash. And so I put cash into a machine, and when I was done, I hit cash out, and that immediately locked up the machine. And to make a long story short, I had to go through three different people to get my money out of the machine. The machines don't give cash out. And really, they don't want you 
using cash on a cruise ship. So once I hit that button, the nearest person to me came, explained not to hit that button, that I should always transfer the money to my card. And then she used a walkie-talkie to call an assistant who came over, who got out a check ledger and wrote me a check for $30.80. And then every, and by the way, every person in this story gave me a lecture about pressing that button, which is not, why is the button there? Why is there a button on every machine that will cause me to, to get multiple lectures? I don't know. So he wrote me a check and then I had to go to the cashier's station and, uh, and cash this check for $30. It was the most ridiculous thing. Like I, at many points in this story, I would have gladly walked away and let them keep the $30 and it was not worth that effort. So, uh, but once we did learn the system of, of gambling, using the cards, it, it worked out. Okay. It's just that it's a, a little too convenient when it's not cash. It, it uh, goes by pretty fast. Um, I, the last thing I had on my list here was this was a completely new experience for us. We were in our room one afternoon and there was an announcement. Uh, there was the, they played, there's three tones that they use for emergency announcements. And so they played those three tones and they said they needed to evacuate the Lido deck. That is the ninth deck. That is the biggest outdoor deck. That's where everything outdoors takes place. It is filled with hundreds and hundreds of lounge chairs and people tanning and people swimming and the DJ dance party. They just had a ice sculpture guy <laughs> carving ice sculptures. Uh, it is the outdoor place to be. And they said, evacuate it. And then they said they had an emergency with one of the guests. Well, Later, we found out that it was a 74-year-old woman, and we didn't hear what happened. It could have been a heart attack. There's a lot of steps and wet steps, so she could have slipped and fallen. We, we just don't know. But they said they needed everyone to clear the deck because the Coast Guard was coming to airlift her to shore. So never had that happen before. And we were in our room later, and this was multiple hours later, like two hours later, and my daughter said, well, I said, what's that noise? Because we were in our room and something was loud outside of our, our balcony. And we were um, on the seventh floor. And so I said, Morgan, go see what's on the balcony. And she opened the door and she screamed, holy crap. And I went, what? And she said, there's a helicopter outside our window. Now, it's hard to judge distances when you're out there like that. But this helicopter was... Uh, no further than 50 feet away from us. And they were hovering next to the ship and then went up and then we couldn't see them. But then eventually they airlifted this passenger up onto the Coast Guard helicopter and then took off. Now I looked up on Twitter uh, to see if I could find out. I was I was searching Google for the, the name of our ship. It was the Carnival Valor and Coast Guard. And I found a tweet from the Coast Guard that said they airlifted a passenger while they were 200 miles offshore and took them to safety. Now, I had no idea that a helicopter's range was 200 miles each way, and that's 400 miles for a helicopter. I literally did not know that was a possibility, but uh, but it happened. I'm telling you that happened. So 
that that was very interesting to see a uh, helicopter right over the cruise ship airlifting someone up into safety. Uh, so the last morning of our cruise, we disembarked. Uh, we have got this down to a science. They allow you if you uh, they basically they they do it in shifts. And uh, fortunately, if you have a suite, which we had, you are in the first group and they tell all the suite passengers to go to one of uh, two dining areas, which we did. Uh, we went about half an hour early. So we went down there about 645 in the morning and they told us we could disembark at eight in the morning. So we went down at 645. We found a place to sit right by the, the exit. We were ready to go. We had our suitcases. And at 7 a.m., a guy came into the dining room, looked at me, and said, you guys have all your stuff? And I said, yeah. And he said, you could go. An hour early. I said, right now? He says, yep. And so we stood up, put on our backpacks, and everybody around us started standing up. And it was like a stampede that we were at the front of. So me, my wife, and my daughter were just walking, walking, walking. And I was like, don't stop. Don't look back. Don't just go. Uh, because we're being chased by all the other sweet passengers. Um, but uh, we were literally the first people off the ship an hour before the advertised uh, time. Now, when we got to the disembarkation location, of course, we already had our, our luggage. So that was not a big deal. Um. We had to go back through the facial recognition system. So you had to stop and look at this iPad and it popped up with your name. And once we did that, we were free to go. We hit the parking lot and by 7.15, we were out of the parking garage and on our way to the nearest McDonald's in New Orleans where we could get some breakfast and coffee and hit the road on the way back to Oklahoma after having a lovely time on the ocean and in Mexico, and on a carnival cruise, and wearing a mask, so we didn't get COVID. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much it. So there were a lot of changes. Uh, there were enough that I thought it, it deserved its own a, a follow-up shows. There were a lot of changes in uh, the internet access and internet uh, payments and policy, the way that you have to use the Carnival Hub to order at the restaurants, to use the menus, to find out scheduled events. Um, I suppose the, the final question that I would answer or that I would ask myself is, uh, would I do this again? And would I do it again during that time frame? I would. Uh, I, I feel like a friend of mine messaged me and said, boy, you really kind of threaded a needle on that thing because on the way back, we started seeing the news reports of the cruise ship that was stuck out there that uh, had, I don't know if it was guests or I think it might've been staff that got infected with COVID and were being denied uh, entrance into ports. And when that happens, you can't get a refund for your port excursions if they were prepaid, but you can't get a refund for your cruise. So now you're just floating around on a cruise ship out in the middle of the ocean. So that was one ship. By the time we got back, there were three ships and I got a feeling with this Omicron, the way that it's still exploding. Um, let me put things in perspective. Last week we got an email from carnival cruise and it said, we would love to have you back rooms starting at $0. And we got an offer for different types of rooms for $20 room, $40 room, 
Uh, and then there was a little asterisk that says you have to pay port fees and taxes and something else. But uh, I think you could go on a cruise pretty inexpensively right now. So, uh, you know, once they've, they've fired up the machine, I think it's, it's difficult to shut things back down. I think it's very expensive for them to shut things back down. So I know they're going to try to keep doing it, but I don't know that I would go on one right now. I think I would probably wait a little bit for these numbers to trend back down and for things to feel because it's, it's tough to have fun if you don't feel safe. And I guess that's, that's the big takeaway. So, uh, would I do it? Would I take one next month? Probably not. I'd probably, I'd probably have to wait again until the numbers start going down. But, uh, that, uh, that was the update. So maybe in another five years, I'll take one and, and we'll be laughing about how every person had their own cell phone tower floating on a drone next to them and, and how old everything that I said on this episode now sounds. So that uh, concludes my updated information about uh, cruises. That also wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at robohare at com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. If you'd like to find out more about ways to support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara for more details. All of my patrons get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly random Rob videos, access to the Amigos Retro Game Discord server, and other additional perks. You Don't Know Flack is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. To hear more podcasts from me like Sprite Castle, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and the all-new Like a Doss, visit podcast.robohara.com for links and information about these shows. Congratulations! If you made it all the way to the end, you now know a little bit more about Flack. Bon voyage, and we'll see you here next time on You Don't Know Flack. And finally, a very special shout-out to all my Patreon supporters. For January 2022, this includes my 8-bit supporters, Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Kerry Clanton, Chris Albright, Chris Folds, C. Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Strayanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham W. Vebke, Hacker Radio, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warrens, John Bodakar Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Nathan Dagenhart, Olav Hope, Patrick Markey, Rad Max, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, Robot Doctor 82, Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossi, Zeke Pavsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boatshead Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Von Drasek, Steve Sharippa, and Vintage Volts. 